This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. This is the one-year anniversary of Kelly and Rumia on AMI-TV, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time as usual. We are here live with you, Kelly McDonald, Rumia Amuthan. And because it's a Tuesday show, we're getting into Ask a Veterinarian. This is a staple weekly conversation with Dr. Danielle Jonkind. Let's bring her on. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. Danielle, welcome back. And uh, today we're getting into some skin condition conversations. So people who live with dogs know that skin problems are relatively common. There's lots, uh, are a lot of dogs out there that suffer with rashes, itching, urine infections. But today we're talking about cats. So what kind of skin problems do cats get? Are they the same kind of problems that dogs get? And how we can help our kitties if they do get skin issues? Danielle, you're going to talk with us about this, and I'm really curious about it because I have no idea on this topic. Do cats get skin issues as frequently as dogs do? Uh, well, actually, you know, my my impression is that I see more skin issues um, usually in dogs than I do in cats. And there was actually a study published in the Canadian Veterinary Journal back in 1990. And they kind of looked at the frequency of skin conditions that were found in animals that were seen at um, the veterinary school at St. Hyacinth in Quebec. And they found that just over 15% of cats and just over 18% of dogs exhibited skin problems. And, you know, I'd have to say that kind of supports what I see on the front lines, you know, that I tend to see more dogs with it. But regardless of the type of pet, you know, I have to say that skin issues in general are pretty common. You know, I see lots of pets with these problems. Mm, and, and it must be something too, because you've got so many environments you're dealing with, so many things, activities and, and fur, hair, what have you. So I'm curious, do you see a difference in the kinds of skin problems cats get compared to dogs? Uh, definitely. You know, um, well, there are a lot of skin problems that can affect both cats and dogs and, you know, some that can even be passed between them. Um, oh. You know, I, I do see certain problems much more commonly in cats. Um, for example, you know, there's a fungal infection that attacks hair follicles and um, in medical vernacular, medicalese, as I like to call it, you know, it's called dermatophytosis. But um, the common name for it that most people recognize, if they recognize it at all, is ringworm. And as an aside, the, the common name always struck me as kind of odd, considering there are no worms involved with this problem mm. at all. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> um, you know, I think um, I see probably about two or three cats a year with this particular skin problem. And most of them are kittens. And honestly, in the last 24 years since I graduated, I, I can recall only seeing one dog with it. Um, so, you know, definitely there are some problems that we see, we tend to see more in cats than in dogs. And of course, the reverse is also true. You know, I, I see a lot of ear infections in dogs, you know, but much less commonly do I see that in cats. Not that they can't get it, but I just don't see it right, as often. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what other types of skin problems do you see more often in cats? Uh, 
I would say I see a problem called barbering much more often in cats. You know, this is where the cat chews the hair shorter in some places. Um, so I, in cats that go outside, I also tend to see a lot more skin parasites and problems related to parasite infestation. Um, of course, we'll sort of accept ticks from that. Cats can get ticks, mm -hmm. but I don't see them on cats as often. Um, I see a lot more fleas and mites in cats, particularly ear mites in cats when I compare to what I see in dogs. Um, I can't really say why that is, you know, maybe it has something to do with the clinics that I work in, like the geographic area, or maybe more people treat their dogs with parasite prevention medication than they do with their outdoor cats. Um, it's kind of hard to say, but having said all of that, you know, compared to when I graduated, I'd say that there are a lot fewer fleas and, you know, parasites and stuff that I used to see that seem to be out there these days. Um, when I think of how onerous, you know, those old flea mooses and sprays were to use on pets and in the house, you know, I can't say that I'm surprised the modern anti-parasite products are so much better that, you know, and convenient. I think probably that influences how willing people are to use them. <laughs> so do you think the outdoor Cats. And again, I'm not sure if this is what you were saying, Danielle. I'm just kind of curious here, going back to the remark of because we know us in our tick conversations. Um, do, do you think cats, for some reason, they don't latch on to as much? Or is it just the fact that there's less of them generally? Uh, and I say that generally coming to see a vet that you would see that are outside a lot more kind of inside cats. Does that have anything to do with it? You mean with respect to ticks specifically? Yeah, and cats or or some of that lessening maybe but I'm curious about the ticks yeah I know um definitely we do see ticks on cats it's not that cats can't get ticks you know right. um but um when I see ticks in the clinic it's because someone has found a tick on their pet and they want us to take it off for them usually mm -hmm. and so they will call and ask to come in so we can remove the tick for them um and lots of people remove ticks at home um right maybe right. there's a lot more indoor cats. Of course, indoor cats would be much less prone, if prone at all, to getting ticks, depending on the species um, of ticks, not cats. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, but also, um, you know, like I say, it could be a parasite prevention problem. A lot of dogs are on parasite prevention, maybe not quite so many cats. Um, and I wonder too a little bit, and again, this is just guessing on my part, but if cats, cats are really good groomers, you know, uh -huh. they, um, yeah. they pick things off, you know, and so if they found something, they might remove it where a dog might not, unless it was in an area where they couldn't get at it. So, you know, yeah. that might be another reason, but again, that's a guess on my part. The meticulous cat taking care of the ticks. Uh, what are exactly our ear mites? That sounds kind of gross. <laughs> well, actually, they are kind of fascinating in this creepy, crawly sort of way. Um, maybe you have to have a morbid fascination with gross things like I do to right. appreciate them, though. We, know <laughs> we all do. know this is an issue for me. <laughs> well, they say knowing is half the battle, Danielle, long as you know. <laughs> Definitely makes for interesting That's content. That's right. It does. That's right. Well, you know, mites are actually these microscopic relatives of ticks and spiders, actually. So like other parasites, you know, um, some of them are contagious between animals. Um, right. Ear mites, and specifically, they, they commonly live in the ears, but sometimes they can live on the surface of the skin as well. Um, I honestly can't recall the last time I ever saw them in a dog, but I see them in cats at least a few times a year. 
And, you know, when a cat gets in, gets earmates, they get this kind of dark, really dry discharge in their ears that kind of resembles coffee grounds. And their ears are really, really itchy. Um, so to diagnose ear mites, I take a swab of this discharge and, and I almost know before I look under the microscope because this poor cat is like frantically digging at their ear while I'm swabbing it um, because it's so, so itchy. And I put this drop of mineral oil on a slide and rub the swab in it. And then I look at it under the microscope and you can actually see the mites crawling around through the mineral oil. They have these like semi-transparent bodies. They have eight legs with what look like hairs coming off them and if it's a healthy mite population you can see big ones little ones and even eggs that aren't even hatched yet all on the same slide and again I've, I kind of find it fascinating to watch them in their microscopic little world and you know and I will confess that I'm secretly always a bit disappointed if there are no mites on the slide oh. <laughs> not for the kitties sake don't get me wrong I don't want oh. the kitties to have mites but you know I, I like to see them if they happen to be there but there's no question you know the, these little things have to go you know we we don't want our kitties to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. or suffering from ear mites so, you know, most of the anti-parasite medications we have can kill ear mites and eardrops for ear infections actually can be used to drown them as well. <laughs> Danielle, are there any skin conditions in cats that you don't see in other pets? Uh, there's actually one I can think of. Um called eosinophilic granuloma complex so we'll call it egc for short because that's a lot easier to remember and to say um when i've seen this condition it you know kind of commonly shows up around the lips and the mouth you know um starting with redness and swelling of the tissue there sometimes i'll see this hard sort of roundish swelling that appears on the lower lip in front of the lower incisor teeth um, and we can also see something that are commonly known as rodent ulcers which again have nothing to do with rodents um, and these are swollen areas of the upper lips and they're kind of like raw and covered in this like crust um, and occasionally it kind of shows up even other places like um, ha hairless, raised, raw areas and other places on the skin and the paw pads. So, you know, we think some of these kitties are having an allergic reaction to something. Um, so, you know, we we sometimes will put them on a special diet for food allergies. And a lot of them also respond to treatment with a drug called prednisone, which is an, uh, an oral steroid that suppresses the immune system. Okay. Wow. Now, you mentioned barbering earlier. Why would a cat chew the hair short in some places, like random like that? It does seem very random. If you have a cat that do this, you'll be like, why? Why would you do this, you know? Um, most commonly, of course, we see this on the belly and on the inside of the back legs and the underside of the tail. Um, and if you lift the kitty up, you know, you can see that the hair is much shorter where the cat can easily get at it in this normal length in other places. Um, we see it sometimes when cats are itchy, you know, for medical reasons. So if they have any kind of allergy, if they have skin infections, if they have parasites, you know, anything that makes them itchy can cause them to lick and chew at the hair. Um, we can also see it as a manifestation of a behavior problem too. Um, and sometimes, of course, trying to figure out which one it is can be tricky, you know, and if if you can find fleas or mites on a skin scraping or find that ringworm fungus we talked about earlier on a fungal culture test that will help make your diagnosis easier 
Um, but other problems like food allergies are a lot harder to diagnose. I mean, it takes eight to 12 weeks on a special diet to see if the symptoms clear up to diagnose wow. a food allergy. So, you know, sometimes your, your vet might recommend something like a skin biopsy to rule out a medical problem. If the skin's normal on the biopsy and no other causes for itching have been found, you know, then, you know, we kind of diagnose a behavior problem by default. And what do we do about this mess? You know, we, we sort of treat the underlying cause of the issue um, and that should help to resolve it so the kitty will stop licking and the hair will grow back. Um, for medical issues, that of course means treating for parasites, for ringworm fungus or allergies. Um, for behavioral problems, though, it's different. You know, we might recommend making changes to the home environment to avoid anxiety and stress. Um, mm -hmm. And if, you know, if necessary, possibly anti-anxiety medication. Mm -hmm. uh, and Danielle, it, yeah, like the behavior problems, if, again, going back to dogs, we can tell, right, if there are things going on. But with cats, it's kind of interesting to hear it from this perspective because I've never even heard from uh, people, like from the cat's people, that they've experienced skin issues this way. Is there anything we can do to prevent the problems in our cats? Uh, there are a few things you can do. You know, if, if you have a cat who goes outdoors, you know, make sure that they're on a broad-spectrum antiparasite medication. Um, you know, you really want to prevent them from bringing home things like fleas, ticks, and mites, and, you know, all these other unpleasant little critters like lice. <laughs> that they can pick up from other cats out there. Um, it's also good advice if you're bringing home a new kitten or a puppy, you know, um, young animals in general are far more likely to be infested with parasites of any kind and to protect your older pets from that is always a good idea. Um, not only do you not want to have to deal with skin issues, but some parasites like fleas, for example, they can infest the house as well as the pets, right? So you want to make sure that you're not bringing any of those into the house. Um, to prevent skin-related behavior problems in cats, you know, make sure your cats have lots to do to keep them active, healthy, and, healthy and occupied. Uh, there's a great website called the Indoor Pet Initiative that posts all kinds of helpful advice on how to structure the indoor environment to avoid some of these behavior problems. Um, you know, there's been a lot of research kind of up and coming in that area. And, you know, we know that anxiety can play a role in all kinds of medical problems with skin and urinary problems being two examples. So um, always a good thing to make sure your kitties have, you know, lots to do and to keep them occupied. Awesome. Danielle, thank you so much for covering this. Definitely an, uh, a, an insightful conversation on this topic. And we chat next week with you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Take care. Dr. Danielle Johnkind joining us for Ask a Veterinarian. And that's a weekly on the show. After the break, we have Wellness with Francis Wong and start of the new year, start of some interesting trends, including saunas. We're going to talk about the health benefits of using saunas and exactly what it means to use one. We'll be right back. It's Kelly and Ramia. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramia return with more in a moment. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.